Father, we ask you to move by your spirit continually. Speak to us, Lord God, on today. Speak through me, Lord God. Let your word go out on the wings of the anointing, Lord God, that breaks the yoke, hallelujah, and destroys the chain that sets us free, that lifts every burden, Lord God. Let your word flow freely, Lord God. Let me be a channel, Lord God. Move me out of myself, Lord God. Speak to us today, God. Hallelujah. So today I want to talk about, you may be seated. How to keep your peace in the midst of your chaos. Mm. How to keep your peace in the midst of your chaos. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll keep your peace in the midst of chaos. Of your chaos. So, Lord, Spirit of the living God, teach us oh, with simplicity, Lord. Uh, let it flow, Lord God. Let it flow. How to keep your peace in the midst of your chaos. In, the, in your chaos. Now, uh, yesterday, <laughs> I met with Pastor Gavin, she had no idea, and I didn't either, how she would confirm the word that we were going to talk about on today. This word came to me a couple of weeks ago to speak and preach and teach. However, you know, last week the Lord had Larissa preach and teach it because the word wasn't ready to go forth. So he released it today. Amen. So how to keep your peace in the midst of your chaos or in your chaos. Genesis, we don't have to go there, but Genesis 1, 1 through 3 in the New King James says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, which means it was a chaotic mess. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now that scripture tells us and it reveals that God brought order. Before God brought order in the earth, there was chaos. It was a chaotic mess. And the dictionary defines chaos as a state of utter confusion or disorder. In case you missed it, we are in utter chaos right now. Amen. Utter confusion and disorder. And even in our own lives, we can get confused and we can get in disorder, right? So much is going on. Uh, Despite what it looks like and how you feel, the earth has been in the place of chaos before God ever intervened before. So this is nothing new to God. Amen. Intervening into chaos is nothing new to God. He's done it before and he can do it again. The chaos that we are in is not lost on God. Amen. But instead of the spirit hovering over the earth, the spirit is within us, right? Yeah. <laughs> the 
the Spirit is in within us, and instead of the Spirit coming to put order in chaos, Jesus is coming back for his church. Amen. All right, I'm getting where I'm going. Just give me a few minutes. But until then, the question is, how do we keep our peace in our chaos? All right? Now, a few days ago, one of the devotionals I read said, our modern lives are packed to the brim. We got this to do. We got that to do. We got this after that to do, right? They are filled with, filled to the brim. And this is a true statement just last week. Larissa and I was talking about the same thing. We get up. We get Mala ready for school. She heads to her job, which is very busy. I head to the meetings that I have packed in before Mala gets home from school. Larissa comes home from work. And by the time we eat and sit down for a couple of hours, if that, it's time to go to bed, sleep fast, and start it all over again. Amen. Right? Now, I know that's our day, but I'm pretty sure that you have some, the same type of days. Seems like the hours get shorter. <laughs> and more we got to go, more we have to do. Right? Yes, sir. Amen. Just say amen. That's all right. That's all right. The devotional went on to say, quiet is not something that we are accustomed to because we are in constant motion. It's something that we're not accustomed to. We are in constant motion. And even sometimes when you have that quiet moment, you're thinking about ten times, ten other things that you need to take care of. So you can't even enjoy the moment that you do get a chance to be quiet. That's right. Right? Hmm? But the interesting thing about it in Psalm 46, God says, be still and know that he is God. Why does he say it? Because he is aware it's hard for us to be still. <laughs> God don't say nothing without that reason attack. He knows that it's hard for us to be still. But he still commands us to be still and know that I am God. Busyness is how the enemy distracts you from a peace-filled life. Busyness is what the enemy uses to distract you from a peace-filled life. He gets you full of doing all this other stuff, and you got stuff left over for tomorrow, and then after that, and then after that, you get so concentrated on the busyness of your days that you don't have time to concentrate on your God. And the enemy uses it to distract you. Yeah. And see, in our culture, being overworked and overwhelmed is a badge of honor. <laughs> it's a badge of honor. A mile long to-do list and living with no margin is called success. Hmm. Striving is the only way we know how to be because the culture dictates that we continue busy. Because if you're not busy, then you're not doing nothing is perceived. And then you're called lazy. Hmm. Our culture dictates that we be busy. 
And we worked, and we worked, and we worked to acquire, to acquire, to acquire, to work, to work, to acquire. We get, we got billionaires, trillionaires, I'm just saying, billionaires that still don't have enough. They continue to work just as hard, if not hard, to acquire what? More stuff. Hmm? Mm hmm So keeping your peace in, in your chaos requires focused attention because your focused attention will help ground you on the craziest of days. Say it again. All right? Keeping your peace in the chaos of your life requires focused attention. And your focus attention will help ground you on the craziest of days. Mm -hmm. All right? That's so good. Hmm? That's yes. so good. Hmm? I'm going to let that marinate while you turn to Isaiah 26. So we're going to start today. Isaiah 26. It requires you to have focused attention in the midst of your chaos so that it will ground you on your big craziest day. Now Isaiah, of course, is one of the greatest prophets to have ever lived. He prophesied to the southern kingdom of Judah. And he came on the scene to describe the condition of this kingdom that was going down spiritually and they were heading for disaster. Alright? He calls on the people to repent and get right with God, telling them, though your sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. And the reason why Isaiah is a long book, because it deals with two spans of time. It deals with the time where he was living, but it also deals with the future when the Messiah would come back. So it's two spans of time. So God not only looks at your present, he's already talking about the future. So the chaos that you are in right now is your present, but you won't remain there because you got a hope and a future. Amen. Mm. All right. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and, five, 3 and 4 says this. Thou will keep him well in perfect peace. Who's what? Stayed on what? Thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord. What? Forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Amen. Or Jehovah God, the eternal God, within him is everlasting strength. Let's go into it. Perfect peace is expressed in Hebrew by the words shalom. Shalom means peace in English. And peace in English means is the absence of conflict. But shalom means much more than that. It not only means peace, but it also means completeness, it means soundness, and it means welfare. It means completeness, soundness, and welfare, or good welfare. Or he cares about how well you are, if you will, right? That's what shalom means. It means being complete in God, even though you don't have it yet. It means having the soundness of mind, even though it's going crazy around you. Amen. It means God cares for your welfare. 
Judas alone comes only from God. Amen. All right? Yeah. Well, let's go deeper and tell you how. Let's go to Rome. You don't have to go there, but I'll read it to you. Then you can write it down. Romans 5, 1 and 2. And then I'll drop down to verses 8 through 10. I'll be reading out of the New King James said version. It says this. Therefore, having been justified by what? We have what? Peace. With God. Through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Just if I not sin by faith, we have what? Peace. With who? With God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom? Through who? Jesus. We also have access by faith into this grave in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Yeah. Verses 8 through 10 says this, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still or yet sinners, yeah. what did Jesus do? He, died. he what? He died. While we were what? Yes. While we were still in our sins before we have been justified, God demonstrates what? His own love toward us by giving us Jesus to die for our sins so that we can have peace with God. Hmm. Much more than having now been justified by his what? We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled with God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be what? Saved by his life. In other words, we as a you as a believer are no longer enemy. You are no longer the enemy of God. Hmm? He has made peace with us through Jesus Christ. You shall have perfect peace if you keep your mind what stayed on Him. Why? Because He has made peace with us through Jesus Christ by His blood. By covenant. Amen. Life is in the blood. That's why in the Old Testament it required blood as a sacrifice. But Jesus gave his blood once and for all and justified us so that we could have peace with God. That should bring, as you think about it, that brings peace in the midst of your chaos. Knowing that you're no longer an enemy of God. But now you're a friend. Yeah. I am a friend of what? God. Yeah. Woo. He loves us so much he calls us friends. Amen. Amen. So here's the next time. This is how you need to read 26.3 the next time. You will keep him in everything the word alone implies. Completeness, hmm? soundness, and my welfare. Why? Because I have peace with God. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. Now, let me tell you this. You will never be able to avoid the strife that's in the world that's going on around you. Let me tell you that. You will never escape the chaos or the mess 
that going, that's going on around you. However, if you keep your mind stayed or fixed on him, he will intervene in your chaos and give you peace through your chaos. Trusteth in thee. Now the word translated mind here is not the usual Hebrew word, but rather is a word that means framed. So if he will keep you in perfect peace if you frame your mind on him. <laughs> if you frame your mind on him. Hebrews 11, chapter, verse, chapter 11, verse 3 says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. So if you frame your mind on God your heavenly father, you will have perfect peace because your mind has been framed. Which means your world will be changed because God will intervene on your behalf. What does frame mean? It means to arrange, set in order. God will set in order the chaos with his intervention because he's done it before. <laughs> as long as you frame your mind on him. imagination or the seat of your plans and ideas that are firmly founded on the eternal Lord, you will enjoy peace in all its implications. In other words, you can't outthink the peace that God has for you. Your creative imagination, I don't have it yet, Lord. I'm going through it right now, Lord. But in my mind's eye, I can see that I can frame my mind in you and you are going to set in order my mess. Yes. However, I have to get out of the way to allow you to do it. Right. <sighs> oh, Jesus, Jesus. Hmm. In other words, let's say this. As you focus your mind on God and his word, you will become steady and stable. Let me say that again. When you focus your mind on God and his word, you will become steady and what? Stable. Or another word, another way of putting it, you will be firmly grounded. So when the winds are blowing, you won't be tossed and turned, but you will stand stable in the, in the wind and the rain. In the, in the midst of the chaos, if you focus your thoughts, focus your attention on God and his word, you will become steady. And you will become stable. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible 
tells us when you're unstable in your ways, you'll never get anything from God. But the way to get stable is to get your attention on God and on his word so that you can be stable, so that you can invite his intervention. When you know that you are supported by God's unchanging love and mighty power, you won't be shaken by the surrounding chaos. When you know that you know that you know <laughs> that you are supported by God's unfailing, steadfast love, <laughs> And not only that, his mighty power, yes. you won't be shaken. Yes. And even if you're shaken, you won't be stirred. Yeah. You will be stable. Hallelujah. So here we go. Here's the teaching part. That was all preaching. Y'all good with that? <laughs> That's foundation. Keep your peace in your chaos. You need to pause and pray. Number one, you need to pause and pray. Seems simple, but you need to pause and pray. Busyness will have you thinking that you don't have time to pause and pray. But you have time, really, to pause and pray. You run your mouth about everything else. <laughs> I'm not talking about. I'm talking about those in another city. No, talking, talking another church. I'm not talking about them. If you got time to do that, you got time to pause and pray to your father. All right. First Thessalonians five says seventeen says what? Y'all get there. First Thessalonians five seventeen says pray without what? Pray without ceasing. Now, I know you can't spend all your time on your knees. However, you can have a prayerful attitude at all times. You can have a prayerful attitude at all times. When you have a prayerful attitude, it won't be hard to pause and pray. <laughs> if you keep a prayerful attitude, it won't be hard to pause and pray. Because your attitude is already adjusted to the frequency of pausing and praying. That's right. That's right. Amen. That's right. See, this attitude, prayerful attitude, is built upon acknowledging your dependence on God and realizing his presence is within you. And because his presence is within you, you are now free to obey him. is obedience being obedient to God. A lot of times we think obedience is something that we go and do, but prayer is a part of that obedience. How do you know? Because the scripture says, pray without ceasing. Amen. Prayer is about it. Amen. Now, when, you, when your prayerful attitude is built on that, you will find it natural to pray frequent, spontaneous, and short prayers. 
In other words, you don't have to always go down on your bended knees and have the winding road wrapped around you with your, be thankful for the, that the walls around you ain't your grave. Hmm? I ain't talking about nobody, I'm just talking. Amen? A prayerful, but see, a prayerful attitude is not a substitute for regular prayer times either. It should be an outgrowth of those times. <laughs> it should be in addition to those times. Having a prayerful attitude should be additional, addition to the time that you have already spent with God in your prayer time, whether it's morning, noon, or night. Amen. It's an outgrowth of a time. Prayer is not only about getting something from God, it's getting to God. Yeah, that's good. It's not only getting something from him, it's getting to him. Because when you get to him, he can get to you and intervene in your chaos. When you face chaos or start to feel like your day, I want you to write this down. When I face chaos and I start to feel like my day, when I face chaos and start to feel like my day, it's becoming more than I can handle. It's becoming more than I can handle by myself. It is that exact moment that I need to pause and pray. Amen. <laughs> when I feel, when I face chaos or start to feel like my day is becoming more than I can handle on my own, it is that exact time that I need to pause and pray. Pausing and praying <laughs> does not mean that you always have to mouth out the words. Pausing, you can be pausing and praying when you're talking with somebody. <laughs> when your boss or whoever it is come to tell you you do something faster or you need to hurry up or this is coming down, you bogged down, you're getting behind or whatever the case may be, you can pause and pray in your mind. God can read your mind. He created it. <laughs> and he can read your mind for the good and he can read your mind. No, I ain't going to leave that alone. That's another sermon. Amen. Or if you do have time to say something, it could be as simple as, Jesus, I need your help. Just like Peter saved me. Don't have to be a long prayer. You're just pausing and praying. Amen. And you're inviting God's intervention when you start, stop and pause and pray. Amen. When you are caught up in your chaos, it's easy to forget that you have access to God's helping Holy Spirit at all times. Jesus said in John 16, verse 7, New King James, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. 
What is a helper? It signifies an intercessor, a comforter, an advocate, and a counselor. So when you pause and pray because Jesus has gone away and sent him back who now lives inside of you, he will be your help by interceding for you, by comforting you, by advocating for you, and giving you the counsel you need in the midst of your chaos. Hallelujah. God will not only help you and lead you as a believer to a greater apprehension of the gospel truth, but he will give you the strength you need to endure the hostility and the chaos of this world system. He will not only help you and lead you as to get a greater apprehension of the word, he is going to help you and give you the strength you need as you navigate these perilous times. Y'all all right? See, what does what, what causing the prayer does also helps open your spirit so that you can receive from the spirit. Amen. It opens your spirit up to God. That's what pausing the praying does. And then God will, the Holy Spirit will counsel you, intercede for you, and guide you through this mess. Amen. And when you pause and pray, this is the best part, it keeps you connected to God, your Heavenly Father. Hmm? So you need to pause and what? Number two is, you need to implement the daily practice of gratitude. You need to implement the daily practice of gratitude. Verse 18 in that same scripture says, in everything what? Give thanks. Why? For this is the what? Say it. Will of God. In Christ Jesus concern you. In everything give thanks for what? This is the will of God. People running around looking for the will of God. Well, this is a part of the will of God. Giving thanks is part of the will of God. Now, the host of one of the talk shows I listen to always starts every show by taking a moment of gratitude. She plays music and has those listening to take time to be grateful and breathe while listening to calming music. You need to implement the daily practice of being grateful. When you get up in the morning, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I see another day. That this other new day brings new mercies. You give me another opportunity to get right with you, Lord. You give me another opportunity to serve you, Lord. To represent you, Lord. To be a believer that I should be in this day and time. To be the light in this dark world, Lord. You need to learn how to implement the daily practice of being grateful, right? Because thankfulness is a prominent, not only gratefulness, but thankfulness is a prominent Bible thing. 
Faithfulness should be a way of life for you as a believer that naturally flows from your heart. Gratefulness and thankfulness, they are twins. Amen? It should be the way that naturally flows from your heart. Psalm 136 and 1 says this in the New Living Translation. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. There's two reasons right there to have an attitude of gratitude and a place to be thankful. Why? God's constant goodness and his faithful, steadfast love or faithful love for us. Yes, hmm? That's two reasons right there. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Yes. And as I have said many times before, that we don't fight for it, the victory. We already have the victory as a believer in Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen. Amen. This is, this is something that you really need to remember. That your ordinary life is where your extraordinary God shows up. Oh. Hmm? Hmm? It's not only when you're up here. It's in your ordinary everyday life. It's when your extraordinary God will show up. Hmm? It's not only when you in church saying praise God, hallelujah. It's when you at work at your typewriter, at, at your computer, amen. <laughs> or walking up and down the freezer, amen, at the grocery store, or whatever you're doing in your ordinary life, your extraordinary God wants to show up. Don't that ain't that amazing? When you feel things are spiraling out of control, it just takes a few moments of reflection to see that God is still working it out for your good and he is in the midst of the details of your life. You need to pause and reflect on God's constant goodness and his faithful, steadfast love. You need to pause and reflect on how he has already given you the victory. You need to pause and reflect on how he watched over you while you were sleeping. You need to pause and reflect on how you were able to see another day and receive brand new mercies. You need to pause and reflect on how he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. You need to implement the daily practice of being grateful or gratitude. Hallelujah. The thing about this, God's grace is always present. But you must participate in order to have the ability to identify it. selfish desires and take off the pain of your current circumstances. Hallelujah. When you implement the daily practice of gratitude, it will help you help move the focus off your selfish desires and take off the pain of your current circumstances. And when you implement the daily practice of gratitude, will help you remember that God is in control. Yes. 
yes. and that there's a much bigger picture than you can see That's right. right now. That's right. <laughs> In other words, it ain't all about you and your weeping and your crying. That's right. God has a plan. Yeah. And guess what? His plan is at work. Yeah. And when you think of that, God's plan is already at work. You can easily implement the daily practice of gratitude. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Lastly is this. You need to calm the fight or flight response. Mm. Hmm? Oh. <laughs> you need to calm the flight, the fight or flight response. Well, how do you do that? Matthew chapter 11 tells us just, I think, wait a minute. I mean, Mark, no wonder it looks like Matthew chapter 11. I knew it was. Like, wait a minute, I know about it. I know, I know I said this. Uh, Matthew 11. This is how you calm your flight, fight or flight response. Jesus says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are what? Heavy laden or burdened. And I will do what? Give you what? Rest. He said, Come unto me, all you who are what? Heavy laden, or burdened, yes. or in the middle of your chaos. Yes. Well, this is my trans translation. Come unto me who are in the middle of your chaos, and Jesus will give you the rest that you need. Yes. Amen. That's Marvin's translation. Only once. I can't remember what I just said, but you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Usually when you feel overwhelmed, your body kicks into fight or flight mode. You're either going to stand in faith and fight it, or you want to escape out of it. How do you not just run away from it, but escape hurrying up to try to get it over with? Yeah. Amen. When you kick into that mode, it's much harder to calm your emotions and respond with patience and feel a sense of peace in your situation. All right? Let's go a little bit deeper. The fight or flight response, which is also known as the acute stress response, refers to a physiological reaction that occurs in the presence of something that is terrifying mentally or physically. Let me put it where you can get it. All the stuff that you got to do, it can terrify you because you don't know how you're going to get all of it done by the deadline that you have. So you're either going to fight all the way there or you're going to run from it. <laughs> Amen. Fight or flight kicks in. The fight or flight response is triggered by the release of hormones that prepare the body to either stay and deal with the threat or to run away to safety. The term fight or flight represents the choices that our ancient ancestors had when faced with danger in their environment. They could either fight or flee. They can stand or fight. But see, the one thing about a believer is, the battle is not ours. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. The battle is not yours. Hallelujah. But it's what? The Lord. 
Heather said, you won't have to fight this fight. <laughs> Some fights we fight because we choose to fight them when God says, you don't have to fight it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. Just let me intervene and I'll fight it for you. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Uh, in either case, the physiological or the psychological response to stress prepares the body to react to danger. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will do what? Give you rest. Then it goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and what? Lowly in heart. And you shall find again rest or relief unto your souls. And he says, my yoke is what? And my what? Burden is light. His yoke is easy. And his burden is what? Light. A yoke is a heavy wooden harness that fits over the shoulder of an ox or oxen. And it's attached to a piece of equipment that the oxen are to pull. A biblical response to stress is one that fosters dependence on God through Jesus Christ. The dictionary defines stress as physical, mental, or emotional strain or tension. How many civilian stress? That's physical. This could be mental. Could be emotional strain or just tension. I don't know about you, but I just feel tension in the air. Even when I'm not busy, you could just feel the tension or the stress in the air. You talk to people, you can tell that they are stressed because you can feel the what? Tension. They give off the tension vibe. Amen. But see, all stress is not bad stress because some stress is necessary and some stress is even good, such as when you're lifting weights. Amen. You put stress on your muscles in order to strengthen them. Amen. It's how you handle the stress is what matters. Mm -hmm. You can handle it if you turn it over to God. Why? Because he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Amen. Jesus doesn't offer a life of luxurious ease because the yoke is still on you. However, you have somebody that's stronger than you in front of you who's pulling you but you still have the yoke on your neck hmm? but see it's a shared yoke in other words you're not the only one pulling he is actually pulling you as you follow him <laughs> huh stress off of your shoulders and it puts the weight on his shoulders and the Bible tells us the government is going to be on his shoulders. Why? Because he can handle the weight. Ooh. And when you have a great partner like that, you can handle what life throws at you. Why? Because you know he's handling it all. Amen. So it says again, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest in the chaos while you're under stress, while you have the yoke on your shoulder. Yeah. Jesus will give 
to be poor. Well, the rest is an intermission. <laughs> I will give you an intermission from the chaos. Thank you, Jesus. When you calm your fight or flight response by getting to Jesus, you will enter his rest and he will give you the peace you need that will surpass your understanding through an intermission from your chaos. So to have, so the way to keep your peace in your chaos, you need to what? Pause and pray. Implement the daily practice of gratitude or even have thankfulness. And then calm your fight or flight response. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Amen? Amen? Thank God for his word. Amen. First step is to know Jesus for yourself. If you don't know him, it's a good day to know him. Amen? Receive him as your Lord and Savior. And for those on Facebook Live, go to a church that's Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-standing, firm on the foundation of the Word of God. If not, you may come here and be with us here at Liberty Church. God bless you and God keep you. Thank you for the Word. Amen.